This is The Faithful Expositor, a podcast from the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Jonathan Sims of Shepherdville Mills Baptist Church. Welcome to another edition of The Faithful Expositor. I'm your host, Joe Carpenter, and today I'm here speaking with Brother John O. Sims on the pastor's finances. Brother John O., how are you today? Doing good, brother. Uh, Kayla and I had the blessing of last week being in Florida um, together. I think we thought about it. It's the first vacation we've had alone in about 32 years. Mm, goodness. And um, we really, really enjoyed it. it I was kind of running on fumes before that, and you and Brother Ryan encouraged me to go ahead and take a break in May, and we've got so much coming with youth camp and kids camp and a lot of things coming up. It was the perfect time uh, for us to have a break, and really God used it in our lives to refresh us, and I feel healed. And uh, so back to what we talked about with time off, it really mm-hmm. – it really pays to take your Sabbath rest, and I'm glad that that uh, the Lord's taught me to do that. That's good. Did you spend any time on the bicycle? I did. Um, <laughs> the 30A strip of Florida where we were is a great place to ride, and I rode about 100 miles while I was down there mm. and got home and on Saturday rode with the club another 54 miles, and so mm. had about a 150-mile week uh, last week and just – um, helps so much um, mm-hmm. mentally, spiritually, yeah. physically, and in every way to exercise and try to be healthy. You know, it's good. Yep. you get all your elevation in up here, though. Not down that's in right. It's flat that's, down there. That's right. Yeah. Well, we're here talking about the pastor's finances, and I guess I just want to start off by asking a very broad, general question here: When it comes to the pastor, how important is it uh, for the pastor to get a a good grasp of financial stewardship early on in his ministry. The Bible says it's required that a man be faithful as a steward. Mm. And so it's important for all people to be good stewards with what our Lord entrusts us with. But how much more as a pastor, as Mm -hmm. a leader of God's flock? And pastors are not the best at this, yeah. and I know we're going to talk about that, mm-hmm. but this is one of the ways that we lead. This is one of the ways that we guide. This is the one way, one of the ways that we shepherd our people. The Scripture has so much to say and so many examples given about what good stewardship is. I just think that it's very, very crucial that a that a pastor be a good leader mm. in this area, an exemplary leader in managing his finances. It goes along with managing your house well, which is one of the qualifications of a pastor. Mm. Um, it's just extremely important that a an elder, a pastor, be a good financial steward. Mm. Herschel York, when I was in seminary, I'll never forget him saying the way that you handle a text in the pulpit will help determine the way that your people will handle a text when they're in their own study. I guess the same principle applies here, too. It does. I've heard it said that congregations take on the personality of their pastor. Mm -hmm. I think they're saying the same thing that Herschel York was saying. Mm -hmm. And I would go one step further to say that the financial house, the financial order or lack thereof in a church is oftentimes indicative of the 
way a pastor has or does not have his financial house in order. Mm-hmm. I think we see that in churches today. This is a crucial area. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. When it comes to financial principles, uh, how early on would you say in your life were these principles instilled, and how did it happen? You know, I talked a few weeks ago about how Kayla and I did the Deuteronomy 6 principle when you teach these things to your children when you rise up and when you lie down and when you walk by the way. And I think my mom and my dad did that. Hmm. Um, I don't remember dad sitting down with me and unfurling for me, you know, Dave Ramsey's uh, financial peace seminar. (laughs) It wasn't even around then. But the way my dad carried himself, the way he managed our family, the way he paid our bills, the way he um, managed the flow of his income and taking care of our family, I picked up on that. I saw that early on. Some of my earliest uh, recollections of being a good steward, I trace back to seeing my dad be ordered and organized and planned and structured. So those are the earliest formations. Mm -hmm. And then um, when Kayla and I first started dating and we got engaged, and I went to my mom and dad and told them that Kayla and I would like to get married, the first thing my dad said to me was, show me a working budget. That's the first thing he said. I want to see a working budget. Have you sat down and can you afford this and can you support a wife? And that hit me like a ton of bricks. And so I did. I sat down and I put together a working budget. And I'll tell you, that was a lifesaver for me and Kayla early on. We lived within that little simplistic budget that my dad kind of uh, shepherded me to, to put together. And then moving forward, when Kayla and I got married, Long before Dave Ramsey, um, there was a man named Larry Burkett, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think Larry actually maybe discipled Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. And I learned from reading Larry Burkett about an envelope budgeting system. I learned from listening to the various tapes back then, cassette tapes that he put out um, on how to budget and how to have a budget and stick to it. Mm-hmm. And those are the very principles. Matter of fact, the computer program that I use today for my budgeting and envelope system that I still live by today came from Larry Briquette. Mm. I still use it till this day. Mm. Um, so that's just kind of a very quick history of mm-hmm. some of the influences in my life. And of course, reading Proverbs, mm-hmm. reading yeah. through the Bible. Proverbs is replete with admonitions about money and being a good steward and all of those are ingrained in my heart and my mind through day i I read the proverbs every day and through Mm -hmm. praying through the proverbs so those lessons are deeply ingrained in my heart through the word of god that's good did you ever receive any um, formal training or instruction in seminary when it comes to the pastor's finances sadly none Mm -hmm. absolutely none Mm -hmm. if i had my way every seminary would have a required course, courses, and that every pastor would be required to have a personal working budget, Mm -hmm. an envelope budgeting system before he can graduate from seminary. I pray that uh, maybe I can use that influence with Anchored in Truth and the Pastoral Training Institute 
to say to Dr. Seal and Brother Jeff, hey, we need to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd love to teach that. Amen. To teach pastors, you know, about finances. Mm-hmm. But it's sad that guys don't get this training. And honestly, brother, if you look at the facts, many pastors, I'd say the lion's share, are horrible money managers. Mm-hmm. They just just do a terrible job mm-hmm. of of having a working family budget and sticking to it. And sadly, they bring that over to the church a lot of times, and mm-hmm. the condition of the church is not any better. It's rare that you actually hear uh, anyone from a pulpit preaching on financial stewardship, right? Unless it's done in a mean-spirited way, like we got a goal to meet, we need, right. to, you know, we we need to hit this now. And that's not what this is at all. I'm talking about day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out, being faithful to God. Mm-hmm. It has to do with covetousness. It has to do yeah. with contentedness. It mm-hmm. has to do with living within your means. It has to do with being satisfied with Christ. Mm-hmm. It has to do with not coveting another man's silver or gold. I mean, all of these principles are there. And living within what God has provided for you and mm-hmm. not violating the Ten Commandments and coveting what your neighbor has. You know, yeah. so many people get into trouble there. Mm-hmm. And all the admonitions and the warnings in the Bible about enslaving debt. Mm-hmm. Um, need to be taught and thundered to this generation we live in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why is it, do you think, <clears throat> we've talked about before that it seems like when you just kind of look at society as a whole, usually it's pastors that are one of the, they're right up there at the top of people who mismanage their money. They're kind of known for not paying, for going into large quantities of debt. Uh, they're sometimes known as, as men who don't pay their bills on time and things like that. What's the what's going on? <laughs> Boy, I hope I don't offend anybody. Nowadays, you can't say anything without offending anybody. You know, and, and that's not my heart. But I remember my dad telling me that his banker used to tell him, "Don't lend money to the three P's: mm. preachers, painters, and plumbers." Mm. Um, and it's it's amazing that preachers would be put into that you know that three mm-hmm. of people not to loan money to because they're notorious for not paying their debts. It's just a horrible witness. And that see, that brings it back to the glory of Christ. It's a horrible testimony. It's a horrible witness. And I've always wanted to be one of the men that paid my bills on time, paid my rent on time, paid my electric bill on time, even early. Mm. Um, and I just want to have that kind of testimony of, of, you know, it's hard for people to take me serious that I love Christ. Mm. If I if they can't trust me enough to for me to pay my bills on time, mm-hmm. that's just a very very simple thing, yeah. and so it's a lesson that we need to learn. It's one that needs to be thundered. It's not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. I've heard you talk a lot about uh, an envelope system. And, yes, you know we've even taught uh, Dave Ramsey's uh, Financial Peace University here. Yeah, and the seminars here. Uh, over the years, I know that you and Kayla have been very good to have a budget, and you've even utilized the em- the, um, the envelope system. Uh, how did you do that early on, especially considering the fact that your family of five, well, five children, so seven, and a lot of the times, you know, you were in churches that weren't compensating you well. How did you guys do it? <laughs> the only way, and I've said this numerous times. The only way that Kayla and I were able to make it with a family of seven and 
not being paid very well at all for decades, yeah. for decades. And she didn't have a job always no, either. We were, she, no, well, ever. Well, she I mean, didn't work outside of the home. That's right. <laughs> we, we were a one-income family and still are to this day. Um, and the only way that we made it was an envelope budgeting system. Hmm. And it's a very simple thing. Um, Dave Ramsey calls it a zero-dollar-based budget, and that is you sit down and you write down all your income sources, and you sit down and you write down all of your expenditures, and what you're taking in should match what you're sending out so that at the end of the page you have zero left over. Mm -hmm. Um, So every penny, every dollar is accounted for in your budget. And I was able to catch on to that principle very, very early on in my life through Larry Briquette. Mm-hmm. And back before there was computer programs and apps, uh, I just went to Walmart and bought a 50-cent accounting ledger budget book it like we use in college. Mm-hmm. And I set up my expenses over here and my income sources over here. And once a week, I would take all my checks that I'd written, and there weren't really debits back then. There mm-hmm. are now. Mm-hmm. And I would input those into the proper line items and subtract that money from the pro- proper envelope and come up with a budget balance. And that budget balance should match my checkbook mm-hmm. balance. you know. And then once a month, I would balance my checkbook. Because banks make mistakes, and I sure. make mistakes, and yeah, I'm, I'm amazed at the numbers of people that never balance their checkbook. They mm. they just look on their app, and, oh well, this is how much money I have, but mm. they're not following the the flow of checks and and making sure this cleared and it cleared for the right amount, and you know, uh, people just don't do that anymore. Yeah. But the envelope budgeting system, when you sit down and you write down all of your bills, your monthly bills that you pay, you you would come up with an envelope for that bill and there's not four months weeks in a month there's 4.333 weeks in a month Mm -hmm. so if my rent you know is you know a thousand dollars you would divide that by Mm 4.333 and at the end of the month when that bill is due you go to that envelope and that money's there and you pull it out and pay that bill yeah it's just a very simple plan so that there's not this idea, oh, I just don't know where our money goes. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Well, I can tell you where it went. Mm-hmm. It it went to the 7-Eleven where you stopped by, you know, three four times this week and bought a sausage biscuit and a mm-hmm. you know, a twenty ounce mm-hmm. Dr. Pepper and <laughs> you know, you add that up over time and you you're, you're gonna be shocked and amazed at mm-hmm. and I'm not we'll talk about this. I'm very benevolent with my budgeting, but my point is Rather than people being on top of life, life is on top of them. Right. They're always under the the eight ball, so to speak. They're always like a dog trying to catch its tail. Mm-hmm. They never know where their money goes, and it's because they don't have an effective budgeting system. Mm-hmm. And the envelope system, I would encourage anyone listening to go through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace Seminar. You know, here in our marriage counseling, you've been through mm-hmm. that with mm-hmm. me, and I spend two weeks out of about six or seven weeks dealing just with finances mm-hmm. because the number one cause of divorce is finances, yeah. financial struggles. And so I require any young couple going through marriage counseling here and before we marry them to present me a working budget just like my dad did me. Mm-hmm. And it's based on that $0 envelope-based budgeting system that, that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple plan for people to manage their finances, pay their bills, and live 
without the stress mm -hmm. that so many people live with today of not being able to make ends meet, so mm -hmm. to speak. Dave Ramsey always says you're telling your money where to go, where right. it's going. It, you're instead not, of it telling into, you. Yeah. yeah. And the point of having a zero dollar budgeting system there is not that you're spending everything. I mean, some of it you're telling to go to insurance. Some of it you're telling to go to savings or to whatever. It's all account. And and by it's, the way, yeah. it's it's fine to go out to eat. It's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, you might want to budget um, 7-Eleven breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you might want to budget a sausage biscuit and a Dr. Pepper, mm -hmm. but, but budget it. Mm -hmm. Account for it so that it's not taking from you know, the clothes line item or your wife's grocery yeah. line item, you know, or the utility or the rent line item. And so, you know, the thing about the zero dollar and having an envelope for every line is some of that at the end of the month should be miscellaneous. There should be some left over. Yeah. And you, like you said, then you can decide, okay, I'm going to put this much into an emergency fund and I'm going to put this much into a savings account. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to put this much into a college education fund for my children. Or I'm going to put it toward a vacation fund so we can go on a good vacation. Mm. It's it's just being ordered and disciplined and a good steward. Mm. It's a much better way to live your life than flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah. How much room – you've talked about this before – how much room in that, in that envelope system do you leave for, uh, say, generosity uh, or uh, even the idea of it not being – Sometimes you've talked about it. Some areas you couldn't be as strict on. Yeah. Uh, how did that look like in your own system? I hope I'm not getting ahead here, but obviously the first thing that should be at the top of the list in the budget is the tithes and offerings Amen. that belong to the Lord Jesus Christ through His local church. Mm -hmm. We're to bring the Lord the first fruits, not the scraps and not the leftovers. And mm -hmm. I always tell people, if you wait to the end of the month to decide whether or not mm -hmm. you're going to tithe, you never will. Yeah. You give the Lord His first up front, the first fruits belong to Him, and mm -hmm. then you live off of the rest. Mm -hmm. And then I would say that I'm a very benevolent budgeteer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't. I want to be very sound. A warning here: mm -hmm. there are people that make a god out of this. Yeah, yeah. They make an idol out of it. I've I've met people that make tons of money. I mean, I've met guys that make a lot more money than I do, and they'll have tons of money in their miscellaneous account, tons of money in their vacation account, tons of money in their um, eating out account. Um, but maybe their wife's clothing line item is not really robust, and she comes to her husband at Easter and says, I'd like to buy new dresses for the girls for Easter. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. Uh, the clothing line item, the envelope for that, will, you know, we can't do that. Give mm. me a break, man. Mm. I mean, mm. you know, you could you can take it from other areas. Mm. Um, and, and so – if you're on top of it and you watch what you're doing, there's a lot of room for generosity, yeah. for kindness. And I've always tried to be benevolent with this as much as I can. Life is not perfect. It doesn't mm -hmm. flow perfectly. But I, I like to know where it's flowing. Yeah. I like to know, It helps me to know and have a sense and a feel for where I am financially mm -hmm. because that has a lot to do with my stewardship. Yeah. And then I would say you, 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 know, you should always be generous. And generosity is not necessarily a budgeted line item. You know, you, you need to be sensitive to God's Holy Spirit, to give where He says give, and to participate in special offerings that He leads you to participate in, or to bless a brother or sister or a family that's 
that's struggling. And I've just always seen that when I'm generous, God blesses my budget and makes up for it in other areas. Mm-hmm. So I hope that's specific enough to answer what you're talking about. But yeah. but it begins with honoring Christ with the first fruits, mm-hmm. and then we're benevolent in the way we um, operate our envelopes. We're not just a tyrant mm-hmm. with it, you know. Yeah. There should be some flexibility and some love and compassion in there. Mm-hmm. I know over the years you've told me – so you and Kayla have tithed from day one. From, even before. Even before. Yeah. And then beyond that, you've talked about giving above and beyond. Yes. Uh, and how has that factored in with uh, – Well, we've never wanted to just tithe. I've always believed that tithing is a great place to start. It's kind of a benchmark for me yeah. that, that I knew I'd never fall below. Mm. But Kayla and I have never, quote, just tithed. Yeah. We've always sacrificially given beyond that. Mm. Uh, I don't. I, I look at it at the, at the end of every year, but it's always well, well, way out past ten percent. Yeah. You know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen percent of our income, you know, is is given to the Lord through our local church, and God has just always supernaturally provided for us so that what we had left over. You know, we could live off of it. And then sometimes the Lord just supernaturally blessed us with special things that came our way, maybe a meeting I got to preach, mm-hmm. or sometimes just something unexpected. The mm-hmm. Lord would send a raven in with some bread in his mouth mm-hmm. and just give us what we needed to make it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's because I think we honored the Lord's principles of stewardship, and God honors those that are faithful stewards. Amen. And how have you held that before the church over the years is that something that you've preached tithing and giving above and beyond and things like that i do i do unashamedly preach and teach tithing in our church i believe it's biblical um and i've had so many people disagree with that and as you can see i'm unfazed yeah because i've lived now you know 33 years of seeing god's church blessed when we honor the lord with the first of our substance so i've clearly taught that consistently through the years I've preached through the book of Proverbs, and I brought all of those principles out when we went through it. Mm-hmm. When we have the offering every week, I admonish our people that this is worship. We're yeah. worshiping God. Mm-hmm. We're honoring the Lord with our substance. And Brother Joe, I've personally experienced this mm-hmm. in my own family. But look at the way our church is supernaturally blessed. Brother God has blessed us. I have never seen anything like it. Our, our church has been financially blessed in a way that is far beyond anything I've experienced in my entire ministry. Mm-hmm. And it's because of these principles being preached. It's because of these principles being taught. God honors people that trust Him enough to honor Him with their substance yeah. and worship Him out of the, the abundance that He gives them. Every time that we as a church are generous to a pastor, mm-hmm. a missionary, a church plant, God just supernaturally gives it back to us again and again, over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've tried to teach it from the Bible, but I've tried to model it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I've modeled in front of the church what a good steward is. Mm-hmm. One of the first things I tried to lead this church to do was to get out of debt. Mm-hmm. And we tightened our belt, and we let a lot of things, nice things that we might have could have enjoyed, hold off until we, you know, got debt free. And yeah. and now, 
what what have we been debt free in our church for let's see almost 12 years mm-hmm. we've been debt free and it's just opened up so many more avenues for us to be liberal and mm-hmm. giving and to bless pastors and yeah. preachers and missionaries a lot of guys we've just you know we've bought cars for that mm-hmm. needed a car mm-hmm. needed clothing or needed medical bills paid yep. you know we've been able to step in and help there mm. because we don't have that noose of debt around yeah. our neck well let's talk about debt a little bit uh, what are your thoughts about uh, a pastor going into debt is there such a thing as good debt I think there is this would be where Dave Ramsey and I would disagree mm-hmm. I think there is some good debt and I think I've proven it and lived it um, my dad told me years ago he said if you pray and you seek to honor God and you're filled with God's Spirit and you're walking with the Lord, he said, I've never lost a penny on a real estate deal. I've always done very, very well. Mm-hmm. And Dad just told me way back yonder, he said, the best investment you can make is your home, your house, mm-hmm. because it's your sanctuary. Mm-hmm. It's it's where your family's going to live. It's where you're going to raise your kids. It's going to be your safe place. Mm-hmm. And if you watch what you're doing, it'll be your best investment. And it has been. Um, it's far outperformed, you know, my 401k and, hmm. you know, Kayla and I, uh, bought a home and I had a member of the church here come to me years and years ago when the interest rates fell through the floor. Hmm. And he said, brother, I want to ask you to do something. He said, I want you to, I want you to pray about refinancing your home and going from 30 years to 15. Hmm. It's going to cause you to be a little bit tight, but you'll thank me one day. Brother, I prayed about that and really, I felt like that's what God wanted us to do. And Kayla wasn't real sure about it, and I just said, honey, you got to trust me on this because here's what we're going to do. I know you and I know me. We'll give every dime we've got to our kids mm-hmm. because we're giving people, mm-hmm. and there won't be anything for us. And I said, this is a forced way for us to put something back for us, and you're going to be glad we did this. Well, now we're there, mm-hmm. and and we're debt-free hmm. uh, except for my truck, uh, and we paid our house off. And, of course, the church helped us with that too. But we wouldn't have been able to do that had we not refinanced our home for 15 years mm-hmm. and lived within our means. And um, I'm so thankful we did that. Mm-hmm. And so I can just show you again and again and again how God has honored us you know, for being good stewards. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit. Uh, you kind of broached the subject about uh, retirement plans. Um, <clears throat> How important is it for then a young pastor when he's kind of first starting off then to get involved in a good retirement plan? Let me follow back up on the debt question before I say that because I've said I do believe there's some good debt. I think good debt would be a, a home that's a sound financial choice, a dependable car. Yeah. You've got to have a dependable vehicle mm-hmm. to get you around where you need to be. And the society we live in, that's just yeah. – and, and I don't know how you have a dependable vehicle – uh, without some debt making the income that I made yeah. for for years, but if you if you live within some parameters, those can be good things mm-hmm. and and not enslaving things. But stay away from enslaving debt. Yeah, credit cards, mm-hmm. buy now, pay later mindsets. That's a horrible way to live. Mm-hmm. It, it will you can dig your own grave that way. Mm-hmm. Once at my f- former church in Alabama, and twice here, um, I've had this scenario come up. And it was all three times women Hmm. that came to my office and said, Pastor, I need to speak to you and Miss Kayla. And the sister came into my office and said, my husband doesn't know it. Uh, 
but I have been charging on a credit card and rolling the balance from one card to another card. When the time ran on that, I ran it on another card. When the time was up on that, I ran it to another card. Mm. And she said, now I'm at the end of my rope, and I've got a $50,000 in one case, $70,000 in another case, credit card balance that my husband doesn't even know about. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, obviously we got some headship issues there. Mm. Obviously we got some spiritual issues there. Obviously we got some accountability issues. But the fact remains, it's so easy in our society, anybody can get a credit card mm. and max it out. And by the way, these credit cards come with dollars $50,000 limits nowadays. You've got this $50,000 credit limit mm-hmm. that you can go out and charge up to the tune of 24 25%. APR, and you never get out of that. Yeah, and so I would challenge anybody to stay away from the uh, buy now pay later mindset, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the the consumer credit mindset of just using a credit card to buy things, you know, that are perishable and wear out, and mm-hmm. you don't have any lasting value to them, but you got the lasting bill. Mm-hmm. And I would also say this, brother. I say this benevolently, but stay away from the new car bug mm-hmm. um, because there you take a big depreciation hit on a new vehicle. Mm-hmm. And early on when you're first getting started, I think you're much better off when your budget's tight to buy a car that is maybe a good, clean, dependable car that you can afford and you're not taking that major um, – that major depreciation hit. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get a little bit older and your kids are raised and you, you've, your budget's a little bit more fluid, it's not the end of the world to go buy a new car. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people do that, and it's great and fine, and it's within their budget, and they can afford it, and it's not enslaving. So I'm not real dictatorial on mm-hmm. all debt is evil. Right. You know, There are ways to manage it and use it even resp- responsibly, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, Kayla and I were able to be debt-free and pay off everything we had by having mortgages and mm-hmm. living within our means. And uh, you can, too, if you if you budget and you pay attention to what you're doing. What are some good ways that you'd recommend for, like, a young person maybe getting out of high school or going into college to start to establish credit then? Well, you know, what we did with our girls is we financed their car in their name and our name mm-hmm. and had them help us out with it some. Mm-hmm. Also, um, our credit union offers a unique thing, and it's a little um, credit card that has a – I forget what they call it, but it has a set amount. Mm -hmm. It's a secured – that's what it is, a secured credit card. Mm. And so we went down to the bank and said we want to take out a $500 secured credit card on Ashley, Mm -hmm. which means that she could never have a balance more than $500 and. We would kill her if she had that. <laughs> but but we would say we want to use this a little bit along, you know, for some books in school and for some meals at school. But we're going to pay the balance off each month at the end of the month. And those things help them to establish some credit so that when she got to the point she's ready to marry and graduate from college, she was able to buy a home. Mm-hmm. And I explained to her this will be the best investment, this home that, you, that you'll that you ever make. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of some of the things that we did. That's good. Back to the subject of uh, retirement plans. You've got a young pastor coming out of seminary, coming into a church. More than likely, uh, 
you know, very limited compensation, what yeah. he's getting there. What kind of retirement plans do you recommend him starting to look at? In the early years, it would be to have an emergency fund. That's more important than a retirement account. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because if you go out and put money into a retirement account and then have an emergency, you're going to have to go take it out of your retirement account mm-hmm. and pay and pay yeah. tax and penalties. Mm-hmm. So I would say first fully fund an emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Dave Ramsey recommends starting out with a goal of $1,000. That's an achievable goal. Mm-hmm. Then maybe move it to 5000 Then maybe move it to two or three months' salary mm-hmm. um, to where you've got liquid money in an account, passbook savings account, that you can draw from for the broken arm, the, mm-hmm. the broken down car, the refrigerator that goes out, these types of things. And you don't have to take a hit on the penalties and interest for a retirement account. Mm-hmm. And I'd say once you get your – emergency fund fully funded, then look at a retirement account. Mm -hmm. And, you know, through – if you're Southern Baptist, through Guidestone, Mm -hmm. um, they offer very, very good, very, very competitive uh, retirement accounts and even have some matching fund Mm -hmm. programs that they do. I think you don't even have to be Southern Baptist anymore. Is that correct? Or have you they changed? don't to be a member, but I think you do in order to get the matching funds. The matching. But you can still be in all of their their programs, which are excellent and excellently managed. They do a great job. Mm-hmm. That's who we've done ours with. And you can payroll deduct them, mm-hmm. which is the way to go. And that way you never miss it. Yeah. You know, it's never a part of your, you know, spending money. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say start there. But – Start with the emergency fund and then move from the emergency fund to the uh, retirement account. Mm-hmm. But you Im- need to do that pretty quick. You don't need, you don't need to wait too long. Mm-hmm. How important is it for a pastor to start up on uh, life insurance then too? Very important. Mm-hmm. Life insurance and health insurance. As a matter of fact, in my marriage counseling, I require them to show me proof of, of uh, health insurance and life insurance before mm-hmm. we marry them um, because – you know, that's just good financial stewardship. Yeah. Um, I feel a little bit overwhelmed because each one of these topics could be a, a podcast in and of itself. Yeah. But life insurance is just income replacement. What you're trying to do is replace the, the income of the breadwinner if he dies. Uh, in today's society, you can say she dies, too, because most families are joint income. You have to replace that income if it's lost, and that's what life insurance is for. Mm-hmm. Of course, you should buy term insurance, which is just pure life insurance, no cash value. You don't use your life insurance as a savings account. You keep those two things separate. Just buy term insurance and then invest the the uh, other money in a, mm-hmm. another vehicle like emergency fund, uh, money market account, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mutual fund. But just have enough life insurance, and when you're young, it's very inexpensive. It, everyone is without excuse because life insurance is affordable. Yeah, and health insurance is the same thing. Um, you know, you, you um, if you don't have health insurance and you have a medical issue come up, yeah, you're going to be busted. Mm-hmm. It's going to blow your budget. It's going to sink your family's finances. So you, it's just a part of being a good steward mm-hmm. to have adequate life insurance and health insurance. I've known some guys that uh, refused to get life insurance because they said their conscience was violated on it. They believed that their premiums were going to fund 
abortions and things like that. Now, I, I personally, I'm a little ignorant to that, yeah. but have you ever, what would you say to somebody along it's those lines? Complete rank ignorance. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just, you know, now we have a responsibility to make sure that our money's not going to something illicit or illegal sure. or immoral. But I'm not aware of the life insurance company that uses proceeds, you know, in, in, in those manners. Yeah. Uh, I know that Guidestone yeah. guarantees that all of the money that is invested in their mutual funds does not support anything that Christians would find unbiblical or, you know, unpalatable. And so, um, you know, brother, there's these conspiracy theory guys that we run into all the time. For everything. They're, and they're the guys that give us fits in the local church that you can't ever keep them happy. They're always looking for the worm in the apple. They're always looking for the lizard under the rock and <laughs> the devil behind the bush. And they're going to find it. Yeah. You know, they're going to find it one way or another. And those guys are extremely difficult uh, to deal with. And let me just say, a lot of it's just old-fashioned rank laziness. Yeah. They they just don't and selfishness. Mm-hmm. They they they're they're lazy and it's sloppy and it's easier to throw something like that out than it is to be a good steward and mm. bite the bullet and pay the price and maybe say no to some of your fleshly yeah. things you'd like to self indulge in to put your family first to invest in some things that would provide your wife and your family peace of mind if something were to happen to you, you know. Yeah. What's your recommendation when it comes to disability? I think it's probably the most overlooked yeah. need. Uh, a lot of guys never even consider disability. But if I understand the statistics, you're much more likely to be disabled than you are to be killed. Mm. The statistics are very very much higher. Mm. And so I think that it's something you need to look at. Um, my dad used to always say, you can only insure what you can insure. You can't insure everything. Yeah. So you don't take money from your wife's grocery budget to buy disability insurance. You know, I mean, you got to eat, you got to provide for your family. But I would say that it's definitely something that needs to be looked at. It's it's definitely something that could be fit into your budget. Uh, years ago, um, through Guidestone, which was the annuity board back then, I bit the bullet and took that as a part of my payroll deduction to have some disability income if something were, you know, to happen to me to disable me from being able to work. You think about it, your wife would be, I hate to say this sounds awful, but she'd be much better off financially if you died Mm. than she would if you're disabled. Because now not only has she lost your income, but now she's got a patient she has to take care Mm of. I mean, it's a double whammy. Mm -hmm. It's the worst of worst situations. And so disability income insurance is something you should look at and pray about. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know, like you said, each one of these is probably worthy of a podcast in and of itself, but kind of going along in that and when we're talking about the end of life and and getting up into your golden years, so to speak, how important do you think it is for a pastor, say, I'm going to say again early on, to be thinking about a will and to get a will written out? Very important. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's again, I cover every bit of this in Mm -hmm. marriage counseling. And by the way, we did my marriage counseling at Shelbyville Mills. You remember? In front of the whole congregation. We, in front of the whole congregation. I had a young couple come up and kind of be my <laughs> little counselees, and, and I just did it as if I was in my office. And that's recorded. I don't know if it's still available on our website or Facebook, but I think it might be. But um, that's one of the things that I cover, you know, one of the things that, that I talk about there. Um, when you first get married, just a simple will 
is is all you need. Mm-hmm. Um, conveyance of property to your spouse. Mm-hmm. But when children come along, it gets more complicated. Yeah. It, it gets a little bit more difficult. And a lot of people just assume that, mm-hmm. well, if something happens to both me and my wife at the same time, our children will go to our parents mm-hmm. only if the state says so. Right. Um, they don't have to. The, the state becomes the ward of those children. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't have a will that specifically states it, now most times they will, but they don't have to right. give them to your parents. And why roll the dice and worry about it? Um, it's better to have a will where it's specifically stated and then the law has to follow that will that you've laid down. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, you can actually go online, and this is what Kayla and I did. I don't even remember the the name of the website, but there used to be a, a forms website that you could go on that had all these forms. And, like, we downloaded the template we needed mm-hmm. for our will, and it, it asked us all these questions. We put our names in. It filled in all of our legal information. We printed it out, took it to a notary public, had it notarized, put it in our safe deposit box, and that's still the will that we have today. Mm. Um, when Kayla and I first got married, we went and sat down with an attorney, and nothing wrong with that, but he drew up our will and charged us $1,000 mm-hmm. you know, to do it. Mm. And um, nothing wrong with that, but if you can find a more effect, cost-effective way to do it, that's what we chose to do the last time we updated our wheels. We, just, we did it ourselves and then had it notarized. How often do you recommend uh, having it updated? Well, I think you need to look at it every few years. Yeah. And based upon life changes, children. Yeah. Moving out. Moving yeah. out, uh, purchase of additional assets, um, yeah. all of these things. Life changes are the things that would affect your will. And, um, you know, it is important sometimes to ask an attorney, okay, what do we do about this? Because when you get into things like trusts Mm -hmm. for children, that's probably the time you need to be talking to an attorney and Mm -hmm. making sure you've got this legally drawn up right and that it's going to hold, you know, hold the bar of law if something happens to you. Yeah. Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground here today. We've uh, talked about not only the importance of the pastor's finances, but also some of the pretty intimate details of it. Before we wrap this thing up, do you have any final words of, I don't know, recommendation or anything like that to the listeners? Again, I I know that this is kind of an oversimplistic thing for me to say at the end, but my conscience is clear when I say this. Go through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace Seminar. Find a church in town that's doing that, pay the money, get the book, and go through the course with ears open and mm-hmm. eyes wide open, especially young couples listening to me. But pastors, mm-hmm. seminarians, uh, anybody mm-hmm. um, needs that course. Um, you know, I went over to um, the next town over. You know, I was looking for a lawnmower, mm-hmm. and um, I ended up buying a lawnmower in the next city over. And the guy that I was buying my lawnmower from, we just got to talking, and and um, the the lawnmower company, I had the money to pay cash for it, but the lawnmower company was offering a zero percent interest for thirty six months or whatever, and they had some incentives, you know, for that. And it's so funny because I was sitting there and I was 
I told the guy, I said, I've got the money to, to pay cash for this, but I'm I'm just struggling with, you know, keeping my cash and doing that 36 months. And this is what the guy said to me. This guy's the lawnmower owner. He says, well, man, I took Dave Ramsey's course recently, and if you've got the money and you can pay for it, he says, pay for it. <laughs> and so that's what I did, man. I thought, well, I've been rebuked by the lawnmower salesman here. And I don't think it would have been sin either way, but I will tell you this. It sure is nice not having another monthly bill. Oh, yeah. It sure is nice. And I'm glad I did that. I had the money to do it. And I, so I would just say live within your means. Yep. Have a pay-as-you-go mindset, mm-hmm. not a buy-now-pay-later mindset. Study the Proverbs um, and and have a budget mm-hmm. and stick to it. The best budget is the one that you stick with. Mm-hmm. Dave Ramsey has a, an app now called Every Dollar, mm-hmm. and you can download it on the Play Store. And it's a envelope budgeting system. I think it's interactive and tied into your bank account. Mm-hmm. And that's a wonderful – download that app and play with it and learn to use it and uh, live by it. Mm-hmm. That would just be my counsel. Well, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord and honor the Lord with the first fruits of all of your increase. And, again, we, uh, we know we've covered a lot of ground here. And so if you have any additional questions of anything that we've covered here today or maybe something else – we invite you to send us an email, brojo at smbconline.com. And we just want to thank you so much for your listening and just wanted to let you know how much we love you. Thank you for listening to The Faithful Expositor. For more information on Brother Giano's ministry, go to our church website, smbconline.com, and follow him on Twitter at Giano Sims. <laughs>